You are listening to episode 63 of the Tennis Files podcast, where you'll learn everything you wanted to know about stringing machines with Mark Gonzalez from Alpha Racket Sports. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast, and it's great to be back with another episode. Uh, this time we're going to be talking about stringing machines. Uh, I know some of you use them uh, whenever you need to string your rackets, and other people just give your rackets to um, you know, stringers, or professional stringers at shops and whatnot. Um, but today um, is going to be a great episode for everybody because you'll learn how to select the right stringing machine for you. And we'll also get into some string tips as well. Uh, and I have Mark Gonzalez, who is a very well-known sales representative for Alpha Racket Sports. Uh, when I was doing research on string machines, uh, Alpha consistently came up as one of the best value brands for string machines. And in particular, people would actually name Mark. And I was wondering, you know, on the forums, they'd say, oh, just talk to Mark, talk to Mark. And I was wondering, you know, who is this Mark guy? But uh, it's it's great to have Mark on the show today to talk about how to select the best string machine for you and also um, some other cool things about machines and tips and other things. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mark Gonzalez. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I'm really happy to have Mark Gonzalez from Alpha Racket Sports on the podcast. Uh, Mark is a sales manager for Alpha Racket Sports and he has a fantastic reputation for being super responsive, uh, and he's helped me figure out my string machine needs as well as probably thousands of other people. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of research on uh, stringing machines, especially you know what's the best value and, and you know great performance and quality. And I've consistently seen Alpha uh, as one of the brands at the top of of the list in terms of in forums and and other places. So again, really happy to have Mark on the show and a little bit more about. Mark. Uh, Mark's heavily involved in the tennis industry. Um, he's also an industry consultant for the International Alliance of Racket Stringers, also known as IART. And uh, funny enough, I previously interviewed Tim Strawn on episode 18 of the Tennis Files podcast, which you can check out at tennisfiles.com slash 18. Uh, great episode about stringing. Um, but IART uh, has stated that Mark's knowledge of stringing machines ranks among the very best in the industry. And that he's without a doubt the number one reason behind Alpha's uh, renowned reputation for outstanding customer uh, service. Um, and Mark is also a master racket technician uh, with the United States Racket Stringers Association uh, and a certification tester for them as well. Uh, he began his, his career in the industry in 1985 in Corpus Christi, Texas, by working eight years at, at Nevada uh, Bob's Golf and Tennis. Uh, and then he moved to Alpha Racket Sports in 93. Um, and Mark is also a Yonex rep, and he previously worked for Lacoste as an apparel rep as well. So, uh, Mark, I know it's a long introduction, but uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Mirvin. Glad to be here. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're definitely happy to have you here and excited to talk about uh, string machines. Because like I said, I've really uh, tr done a lot of research on this, and I'm thankful that I've connected with you, Mark, to uh, you know educate the audience as well as myself about string machines. So, I mean, the first question I want to ask you, Mark, is, you know, what's the advantage of 
owning a string machine? I mean, you know, obviously we can just go and like and pay people to string. So like, what are some of the advantages? Well, I think the most, uh, the, the first, the, the number one advantage would be convenience. Um, you know, let's just say, uh, for example, you're out there, you're playing your match, um, nor, uh, probably practice, you know, you're out there practicing, getting ready for a weekend tournament and your strings break. And, uh, let's say this is about 8 PM and, uh, you've got a match the next morning. Well, the nice thing about having a machine at your home is that, you can string that rack, your racket right away. Uh, another thing too about stringing your own rackets is that once you get pretty efficient uh, and become very comfortable, you'll be satisfied with your own results there. You don't have to worry about going to a shop and having three or four different stringers uh, provide different outcomes for you. So having your own uh, machine uh, definitely uh, provides a lot of convenience for you. Yeah, great points, uh, Mark. I mean, like you said, you know, there's times where your strings break, and you know, you maybe you but you know you break a couple of strings, and then you have a, a a big match the next day. I mean, you can't get somebody. I mean, unless you know them very well, and uh, you know, like stores generally take a few days to string at least. Um, and also, you know, like I've probably lost maybe thousands of dollars. <laughs> like, uh, you know, if I had had a machine earlier in life, I know I would have definitely um, benefited. And you can experiment with strings as well. So. I mean, what's the biggest hesitation, Mark, um, that players have when deciding whether to buy a stringing machine? Well, I think the number one uh, hesitation is has just been uh, cost. Uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it's going to cost maybe anywhere between, you know, $700 to 1000 to get yourself a good lockout machine. Uh you know, people, frankly, you know, especially the young junior players don't have that, uh, the funds, uh, handy. So, uh, so that's what we find. We find that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a call. They'll ask for pricing. They may opt to go uh, somewhere else, but eventually, uh, you know, they'll come back. And, and sometimes it takes us talking to the parents and kind of, uh, you know, having to convince them that, look, you know, you're going to save money in the long run if, if you, you know, take the amount of labor fees you spent in a year. Um, so they, uh, they finally understand that and, and then they'll, they'll invest uh, in the machine. And, and the thing about stringing machines is that they really maintain a, a pretty good resale value. And that's another thing, too, that I stress to stringing machine owners is that, you know, let's just say five years down the road, you, did, you decide to sell it. Well, you know, there's a lot of tennis players out there looking for stringing machines. And if it's used and in good, uh, and in good shape, you'll definitely get some good money out of it. Yeah, totally, Mark. Definitely confirmed about that. I see people selling machines all the time. And, you know, if you just do some simple math, you know, like uh, around where I am, they, they, they charge you 20 bucks for labor, even if you, you know, if you just, if you give them a string, it's still 20 bucks. So you just multiply that and, you know, you're going to make the machine up in like a year or two, depending on how often you break strings. And so I'm curious, Mark, what got you into the world of string machines out of all, you know, the things you could be doing, you know, what led you to this path? <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, uh, in high school, I, I played uh, I played football and baseball. I did not play tennis, so I was a rather latecomer 
uh, to the game. Uh, so it wasn't until uh, I started uh, college that I started playing, uh, you know, via intramurals, uh, playing with friends. Uh, and I really, really uh, found a fascination for the game. Uh, and then there was an ad in the paper for a uh, for a new golf and tennis shop that was opening up in my hometown. So uh, my mother stressed, hey, why don't you apply for this job? So I went in, applied for the job, and they just said, Mark, you're hired, you know. And so I had no string experience, no uh, – prior uh, tennis industry experience so i i basically uh, started out uh uh from from uh, from zero and so uh i i started working at this uh, uh golf and tennis uh, retail shop and I, I just fell in love with training i you know i the first machine i had there was a model h and uh and then you know there was just the gratification of of uh you know stringing people's rackets and having them come back and saying hey mark good job you know i uh, love the way you know the racket played uh you know here's my other racket can you restring it the same way um so so i started uh, that was the direction that i decided to take I, I at that point i decided you know after eight years of retail you know i was going to be a lifer in the uh, industry uh and so there was a rep that uh that worked for Alfie. He came into town and um, he said, "Hey, look, you know, we're looking for somebody to uh, uh, to work in our Austin office. You know, somebody to help us with machine sales and stringing and uh, you know manuals and some uh, uh, doing some beta testing on machines. So it, it was a perfect job for me at the time. And uh, and believe it or not, uh, I'm still here since uh, 1993. Uh, so it's a job that I still love uh, to this day." That's awesome. And your passion definitely shows. I mean, I've emailed you, you know, a couple of times throughout the years and you've always responded quickly. And, you know, like when I was researching alpha machines, I'd, I'd always see people every like third reply or so they'd say, oh, yeah, Mark is awesome. Mark is awesome. And I was like, ah, who's this Mark guy? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's definitely definitely really appreciated. Um, and, and so, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think, was it the Model H? But what what um, what machines have you kind of used throughout the years? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the Model H was just uh, such a workhorse uh, of a stringing machine. Uh, I had the Model H with a cabinet and uh, for about, I think, after about, I think in the eight years, I think we were about maybe close to 12, 12 or 13,000 rackets on it. Uh, and, and so, it, again, workhorse of a machine, very good, very durable, uh, very easy to use. When I came to Alpha, uh, you know, I kind of had to take a step back because now I went from a two-point stream machine to a six-point. And I went from glide bars to uh, dual uh, – action uh, uh clamps you know with the with the swivel base and the uh and the string clamp itself um uh, so i you know i worked on the ultra edge two the ultra edge three uh and then drop weights you know then drop weight uh string machines uh then i'm strung on string ways uh the current uh, machines uh that i have at home um i have a ghost two uh and i also have the uh yonix um uh, Protect five machine. I've also strung on the PTA Deluxe, which I strung down in Australia, uh, and that's a gem of a machine. So, uh, so I'm I'm pretty geeky when it comes to stringing machines, and you know I've strung recently on the uh, the high end Babolat uh, uh, Racket Lab machine. Uh, obviously, I've strung on the Bayardo and uh, and uh, you know Star Five, and, and the list goes on. So, you know, it's always nice to take these machines out for uh, for uh, uh, for a run. 
That's awesome. Yeah, really cool to to hear about that. And so we're definitely going to get in the different kinds of machines to help everybody kind of figure out like where what they should get. But I guess this also is in that same uh, realm, obviously, of questions. So, uh, Mark, you know, what would your approach be, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of a normal player, you know, maybe a first time or like, what would your approach be to, to buying a string machine? Like what information would you look at? What factors and et cetera would you think about? Sure, sure, sure. Well, not to sound cliche, but definitely, you know, what your needs, you know, what your needs are. You know, if you're, if you are stringing, you know, one racket a month or two rackets a month, you definitely don't need an electronic machine like a Ghost 2. That definitely would be overkill. Now, obviously, if budget permits, then, you know, more power to you on that one. Uh, but most cases, you know, we try to, um, you know, when I'm consulting with somebody in streaming machines, you know, I, I try to fit their needs. And uh, I, I like to ask them, you know, uh, how often are you playing? How often are you breaking strings? How, how often are you restringing? Uh, you know, if it's somebody that, that, that's, uh, uh, let, let's just say it's a tennis family. Uh, let's just go to the direction of more of the independent slash home stringer. Then we'll go towards the, uh, the retail shop. Um, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a family, for example, a family of, of five, you know, and, and everyone's playing tennis. Uh, I, I try to get them into an Axis Pro. It's an upright machine. It, it's, it's crank. It's a lockout. Uh, but the reason why I say that is that with, the, with an upright machine and different users, it's going to be, it's going to have a height adjustment uh, to it. So, uh, it's easy to learn. It's easy to use. Um, and, and so an Axis Pro would, would fit them perfectly. Let's just say, uh, it's a tournament player. Uh, that just strings for himself, uh, maybe two or three rackets a month. I think a Pioneer DC Plus would be perfect for him. Uh, uh, or if it's somebody that, that travels and, uh, you know, they still want a lockout, you know, they would opt for the Revo 4000, which is a lockout machine, but on a table uh, top uh, version. Uh, and then, you know, when I'm talking to, uh, uh, to a retail shop, uh, or a college, uh, you know, it's a no brainer. You know, we definitely put them towards an electronic machine. Right. Right. Awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. I remember, I, you know, me asking you, Oh, you know, like what model should I get? And, you know, you're very helpful and honest and asking me, you know, like how many rackets do I plan to string for? And, and, you know, I went with the, the Axis Pro because I'm not stringing like a ton, but I'm used to the, the lockout, the crank. And, um, so yeah, that's awesome. And, and, um, so as far as like, you know, when buying a string machine, should we be planning for the short term or long term? You know, like, let's say this is kind of like a selfish question, but like, say if I'm in an apartment or something like that, like, should I be like just buying like a small machine and then invest in a, a, a bigger one later? Or should I just like man up and make the space and just get like the machine that I'm that I want to use for the next like 15 years? Or what would you, what do you think about that one? Yeah, that, no, that's a good question. That's definitely a good question. That comes up a lot. Um, I, you know, if, if, um, if they're leaning towards the next machine up, you know, if they're close, uh, let's just say that, you know, Hey, look, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to sell a few things, mow a few lawns. I'll be able to afford this, you know, this access pro in, uh, you know, a couple of months or, uh, if they say, Hey, I'm going to be, uh, uh, you know, moving out of my own, I have a little bit more space. Then, you know, then I opt for more of the, uh, the upright machine, a machine that's going to be, uh, somewhat stationary, you know, in one place and, and it'll just, you know, it'll just be kept there. Uh, but obviously if, uh, 
you know, if you're going to be traveling to tournaments or if you're going to uh, need something a little bit more uh, uh, portable that you just don't have room, something you can put in your closet, then the Pioneer DC or the Revo 4000 would be uh, uh, would be handy. So, but you know, if they've got the budget and, and it's within reach, then definitely upgrade. You know, the, the I always feel that you know the more you pay, the more convenient the machine is for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Mark. And so, what? are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when buying a stringing machine? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't, uh, they think, you know, it's going to do it by, by itself <laughs> and it's not, you know, uh, you know, especially when it comes to drop weights, drop weights, uh, uh, produce fantastic results. However, the learning curve is a little bit higher. It's a little bit more labor intensive because you're working with that, uh, with that drop weight. Also, when you're pulling polyester on drop weight, uh, it can be very uh, tricky and, uh, it can also, uh, provide some confusion there. Um, so, uh, the biggest mistake is people think it's stringing is going to be easy and that they're going to be able to, to, uh, uh, to do this right away. It's like buying a car without knowing, not knowing how to drive. Correct. So it's not, it's something that's going to take practice, uh, and patience. Uh, and then eventually you, you'll get the hang of it. So I always tell people, I say, look, you know, do some research, you know, YouTube is your friend, take a look, uh, and, and just see if that's something you want to do. And, uh, because again, I, I've had parents here in Austin that have purchased stringing machines and that have come back, uh, you know, a few months later saying, Hey, if you know anybody that wants to buy this machine, let me know because, you know, we, we just didn't, uh, account for the, how long it was going to take to string a racket. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and then also the, the fact that they could be a little bit more, you know, they, they, they could save much more time just paying somebody else to do it for them. Right, right. Now, that's really great advice. And also a good segue, because you mentioned some different machines. So, you know, what what are the different types of machines? Because I know we've, you know we've thrown around some terms like crank, drop weight, and, you know, some people may not even know the differences. So if you could kind of like go go through the different types, that would be great. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's just start off with drop weights. I mean, drop weights, uh, you know, when I first started back in the mid nineties, uh, 93 actually, and throughout the mid nineties, we sold tons of drop weight machines, the pioneer one, pioneer two, pioneer three, uh, they were very price friendly uh, and they still are. They're very price friendly. Um, they, they, uh, produce great results because you had a continuous pull. Um, but you know, with that, uh, the, the, the cons of it is that, again, a little bit higher learning curve. I mean, learning how to load the string in the gripper and then, you know, bringing the bar down to level and, and having to make multi-pulls there. Uh, so, so again, you know, drop weights, uh, price-friendly, good tension results on the cons, higher learning uh, curve. It may be a little bit slower. Uh, I, I'm sure once somebody's experienced, they can fly through a racket pretty quickly. But for the most, for most uh, people starting out with, it'll, it'll take them a bit to, uh, uh, to get used to the uh, drop weight. The second one is the lockout. I mean, the lockout machine uh, has been a great machine for many years. It's the easiest, the simplest machine to, um, to string on. However, it does take a beating because it offers a static pull versus a continuous pull. Basically, once you pull tension, it stops right there. Uh, so you've got to have a, uh, you've got to stay on top of it calibration wise. The second thing is you have to have a pretty consistent cadence uh, to, you know, pulling strings, releasing the clamp, clamping the string, uh, you know, uh, threading the string through the next uh, 
the next couple of grommets, pulling string again. So you've got to have a good solid cadence there. Stay on top of the machine. Um, and so the pros on that, very easy to use, uh, very uh, fast. Uh, it's a very fast machine as well, uh, very quick to use. Uh, but then the downside is uh, your, your tension results can be a little inconsistent if you're not careful. Uh, and then the last one would be the electronic stringing machine. The electronic string machine is a gem, especially um, you know nowadays. Now as the factories are pushing for uh, higher and, and better quality uh, uh, components uh, to create uh, a more stable uh, pulling system that you don't have to calibrate as often, you know, something that you can go a thousand rackets without calibrating. And it's going to offer that same uh, continuous uh, pull every single time. That's awesome. Yeah. I was just looking at the ghost actually, and it looks like a really sick AK, like really cool machine. Um, the yep, electronic yep. one um, looks cool. And so, so it sounds like the crank is probably the easiest one to use, but uh, another question for you, Mark is kind of like a scenario question. Like, let's say, you're, you're, it's your first machine. You play maybe like three times a week or so, and you break strings once every two to three weeks. Um, and you're pretty much string for yourself, maybe occasionally a friend. Uh, what machine would you, uh, would you want to get? You think? I, I, I would say that would fall right in the wheelhouse of the Revo 4000. The Revo 4000 is our number one selling machine. Six ninety nine free freight. Uh, you know, the, the only downside to the Rebo 4000 is that there is no stand available for it. In other words, our factory uh, d- does not uh, have a stand that's retro uh, fitable for it. Uh, and, and so what happens with that is people have to go out and buy a third party item such as a, uh, like a Sears Craftsman's Craftsman cart uh, or uh, an audiovisual cart or a microwave cart, or they'll just build something themselves, or they'll put it on the kitchen table, which mom normally doesn't like. Uh, but uh, the Reba 4000 by far is is our number one selling machine, and, and that's what I recommend to to uh, many of folks. Gotcha, gotcha. That sounds like a great one. Um, looks fantastic, too. And uh, one, one question, too, about the drop weight machine. I'm just wondering, like, what? why is the drop weight machine, like, always the the cheapest kind, you know, I've seen like clipper mates that are drop weight for like under 200. I'm just curious, like why they're generally like cheaper than crank and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, they've always been the, the, uh, uh, the least expensive, uh, uh, category, you know, in, in, in the line there. Um, most of it is obviously most of these are made offshore in Asia. And, and so it's very simple to produce a, uh, a drop weight machine versus the lockout machine where, you know, if you open up a case, you'll see that there's a little bit more uh, uh, labor involved in, uh, you know, putting the disc brake together, you know, the, uh, the assembly of the brake uh, and then making sure the brake is, uh, uh, is at the optimum setting there. Um, so, so I really think there's a little bit more labor involved with the, uh, with the lockout versus a drop weight, um, with the exception of the stringway machines. Now the stringway machines, uh, come out of Europe. Uh, that's another brand that we actually distribute here in the United States. Uh, we're the exclusive agent for stringway here. Uh, and if you, if you've done any search on the stringway machines and not to get too far off the path here, but the uh, stringway machines feature a, uh, uh, one drop system. So it doesn't matter where that bar lays, uh, or lies. 
uh, it's pulling that same tension every single time. Uh, whether it lands at the two o'clock or the four o'clock, you're getting 60 pounds if that's what it's set or 50 pounds. Um, so, so because those are uh, made uh, in, in not quite the assembly um, uh, line manner that that the, uh, the the drop weights from Alpha are made, those cost a little bit higher as well. Gotcha. Very interesting. And so, I mean. Who would you recommend drop weight machine for? Because like from my very limited knowledge of string machines in general, it seems like it would just be for somebody who wants to save some money because it seems like it's a little more difficult to to master. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on like who a drop weight machine would be good for? Yeah, you know, the drop weight machine, uh, we've sold that. And and I would say it's between that, I would say that 22 to uh you know 55 year old male you know that is that is the uh demographic for that drop weight machine especially uh folks that are very mechanically inclined uh people like you know that that tend to favor an engineering background they really love the results of the uh of the continuous pull uh your serious uh uh tournament players also uh, love the results that that a uh, continuous pull offers them, and uh, and so that's that's where we sell a lot of our drop weight machines uh, because at that time they have a little bit more patience, you know, uh, and you know versus maybe a a, a, a young kid playing you know tennis you know in juniors, and so uh, so that's where we sell more towards the adult male, uh, even female will buy the uh, drop weight machine there. I got you. So it does sound like the drop weight machine, if you use it properly, it would actually be more accurate because of the continuous pull. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Yes. I, I want to say that's correct. Of course, a lot of it depends on technique as well. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you you got to make sure you're, you're, uh, you load the string properly. You got to make sure the string doesn't uh, slip at all. So, so technique also plays a big part in, uh, uh, in results. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. So as far as electric machines, um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a, it, it's at the top of the uh, price chart and whatnot. I was just wondering, you know, is would it be worth it for people to get it? Or is that more of like, if they're just like stringing for a shop or, or what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I always push this towards a shop, you know, and, and it's gotten a little bit easier now, you know, that, that, that discussion's got a little bit easier now as far as convincing people, uh, pro shops or, or specialty shops to go towards uh, a electronic machine, uh, mainly because, you know, racket technologies have changed over the years. Um, the technology and strings have changed over the years, but machines were, were, were you know, gradually, they, they, they gradually have evolved but it took a while, you know. So now, you know, if you go to a Ghost 2, for example, you know, you've got multi-pulling speeds. You know, you, you've got your built-in pre-stretches there. Uh, you've got your uh, your polyester pulls. You've got your Kevlar pulls where it doesn't strain the motor as much. So you have a little bit more options. Then you can imagine going into a... Uh, you know, more of a high-end electronic machine uh, where you even have more 
options available, like the Yonex PT8. I mean, I used it at the Grand Slam uh, there at the Australian Open this past year. Uh, the, the you know time is is a big issue. So you know we have one speed going this way, but as far as the release on the speed, uh, we set it to the highest setting, and it would to release that stream very quickly. You know after I made my uh, after I clamped off. So so it made for a lot more uh, efficient stringing. So that's what I that's what I tell uh, shops nowadays. I said, look, you know, you're going to see so many different rackets coming in. You got to make sure you have a good mounting system. Got to make sure you have a good uh, hybrid clamps that can clamp uh, tennis strings. You know, you can do squash rackets and you can do racquetball and you can even do badminton rackets with it. Um, so you know, you've got to have a machine that that's very versatile nowadays uh, in the retail setting. Gotcha. Great stuff there. And so as far as like two point and six point machines and whatnot, I mean, there's, I don't know, there's been like a raging debate as far as what I've seen, but I was curious, like if that, you know, how much that matters and your take on, on what, what is optimal in that area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a very, that's, that's a very good question. And, uh, you know, I would have to chalk this one up to personal preference. What do you prefer? Uh, you know, I, I strong, uh, you know, what those 12,000 rackets in, uh, on that model H and, uh, I think three of the rackets that I broke, I think I broke a total of 10 rackets, you know, in the machine, but three of them were high tensions, you know, in a Prince graphite 110, you know, pulling at 75 pounds with Kevlar, you know, uh, those are where, you know, it was just a little too much. And, uh, and so, you know, I felt, uh, you know, years down, the six, six point really is a little bit more stable on the outside. But, you know, we, we don't have that, uh, you know, we don't have those high tensions anymore. So I, I think it's, it's what's personal uh, preference because, you know, two point stringers, they love the freedom, uh, you know, when they're weaving across people that are on six points. I mean, they're just used to it. I mean, I'm used to a six point nowadays. So, so it's really personal preference. I mean, I think you're going to get good results. I think the most important thing that we kind of miss here is the quality and the strength of the stocks at the 12 and the uh, six o'clock position. If your towers or your stocks are strong enough, then it, you know, in my, in my opinion, doesn't matter if it's two or six points, you're good to go. And so stocks are very uh, important there. Awesome. Great stuff, Mark. Appreciate that. And so you mentioned the uh, hybrid clamps and I wanted to ask you kind of like, say, if you know, you, you buy a string machine, like what are the most helpful or necessary stringing tools that you would need to string your rackets? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the three basic ones, obviously, you know, you, you, you need to have good cutters there. Uh, so you need to have some good diagonal string cutters. Uh, you need to have uh, some, either bent nose or uh, needle nose uh, pulling pliers that you'll need. Um, and, and yeah, you'll need a straight off. You'll need a straight off. I, 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 <laughs> I'm a little anti all, but uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, obviously we all know what, what can happen if you just jab and all. And, and this really happens with a lot of uh, inexperienced stringers. They'll jab and all right in there. But even the all is, uh, uh, it's a tool that, that gets a bad rap, but if used properly, it can really help, uh, uh, with your stringing, especially in some certain situations there, uh, as far as like, you know, where you need a, uh, you know, uh, kind of stretch a, uh, or create a new tie off grommet. Uh, you know, you take a, a piece of polyester string and then you insert the all in there. And uh, by doing that, it'll stretch out that grommet. So now you've created a, a new tie-off, uh, new tie-off hole. So, uh, so definitely the all there. 
uh, starting clamp. You got to have a starting clamp nowadays. You got to ha- have one. Uh, we we don't offer them in our packages. We sell them as an optional tool. But I, I really stress that because you know two two piece stringing uh, is very popular nowadays, and you know starting knots are starting to become a thing of the past just because uh, you know they're a little too harsh on the grommets, a little too harsh on that anchor anchor string, and then cosmetically you know. Uh, three out of your four knots uh, uh, look alike. That fourth one doesn't. So, uh, yeah, starting clamp by by far uh, is something that I would recommend. Uh, and then something you see a little bit more on the uh, on the uh, advanced side. Uh, a lot of tournament stringers use what they call a setting off ball or a straining all. Uh, basically, it's an all with a very blunt point to it uh, that stringers use to straighten out their mains and crosses uh, or their crosses as they're as uh, during the string uh, during their stringing uh, process. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, really, those tools right there, and then and then string bed cutters. You definitely want string bed cutters. You don't really want to you know be cutting polyester and dull the blades on your Zuron. Uh, cutters. You want some good fiskers or, uh, you know, some, some pretty good shears that you can just, you know, cut the string pretty quickly with. So uh, a good uh, a good handle-sized um, string bed cutters would, would be uh, helpful there. Awesome. Great stuff, Mark. Uh, what part of the string machine, and I, you know, I don't really expect, I know that Alpha is a great um, brand, obviously, but like what part of the string machine would you say maybe tends to wear the most and could possibly break? So maybe we'll like try to take care of it i guess <laughs> yeah yeah well i i would say uh th- there are a couple of things uh i would say your string clamps are by far uh the most important those are the ones that i mean they're constantly you know coming into contact with all the the, the coatings and oils on the strings so you know I, I would say you know good alcohol rubbing alcohol scrubbing or little alcohol wash you know would be good um uh, you know, getting those cleaned out. Uh, I would say the rails on the clamp bases, uh, they also need to be uh, cleaned uh, and lubricated. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Triflow, you know, something you can get on Amazon.com, you know, you know, spray that on the cloth and then just wipe it on the rails, on the top side of the rail, on the bottom side of the rail. Uh, and then that way, you know, make sure that, that they are able to uh, uh travel from one end to the other pretty smoothly. Uh, one part that really gets, um, gets, uh, overlooked is the linear gripper, uh, up on the top. Uh, because that, unlike a, a, a string clamp, you know, which, you know, that just, you know, what every, you know, uh, 18 to, to 19 times that it, you know, uh, it grabs a string, but the, the linear gripper, pulls, you know, touches a string every single time. So that needs to be clean that, you know, the inside of the, of the, uh, uh, plates there need to be clean with, with alcohol there. The, uh, the, the chamber where the, uh, bearings, uh, rest or reside, uh, those need to be lubricated too. I don't necessarily recommend uh, something like WD-40, but like a graphite uh, powder, uh, you know, you would push the gripper forward and then it'll expose the chamber. There's a crevice there that, that, that's a little widened. And then you would just kind of, uh, um, pour a couple of puffs of the, uh, graphite powder in there and then, uh, just, you know, uh, waggle the uh, plates back and forth. So that way all those bearings get lubricated there. So, uh, that's something that, that gets overlooked quite a bit. 
Wow, that, that's really fascinating stuff. I was fiercely writing notes on that, uh, but I'll definitely re-listen to this, obviously. Um, quick question on the, the – a lot of people talk about the wise electronic tensioner head and, like, adding that to a machine. I don't know if you've, like, heard much of that or if you have any thoughts on, on that one. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, must have been uh, – oh, my gosh. It's probably been about 15, maybe 16, maybe longer than that. I remember Herb Wise flew in from L.A. There was a cab, a taxi cab that pulled up, and uh, here comes Herb uh, with this uh, briefcase type, uh, and it was almost like it was handcuffed to his wrist. And so, you know, we, we, you know, we come into this meeting room and then he opens it. And at the time he called it the harpoon and, uh, before he called it the wise 2086, uh, but you know, Herb was like, at that time he said, Mark, look, there's a lot of model H's. There's a lot of the lockout machines, you know, why, you know, why, you know, get rid of that machine, just roll off the uh, head, uh, the tension head, and then you can put this on. So he came in, uh, to the Alpha Warehouse. We opened up some machines. He took the specs, uh, so that, uh, he could make sure that his, his wise tension head, the bracket would fit on our machines there. So, um, so I, you know, eventually then he sent one for us uh, to use and uh, I, you know, I put it on an Axis Pro and it worked really well. Uh, I definitely think there's a market for it. Uh, I'm impressed by uh, some of the uh, dropweight users that have somehow taken that, that uh, wise tension head and have, uh, I guess, through, through a, a bracket that, uh, uh, that wise also uh, many Factors, they're able to mount it on their uh, dropway machine and now have a very portable electronic machine, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, and and Herb Herb Wise, as you know, uh, you know was uh, he invented the uh, the Prince digital scale uh, and just a, a very uh, very uh, uh, great individual there. Uh, and there's a couple other stories. He used to be a uh, and I'll just really jump off the path on this one, but I have a coffee book. And it's by Herb Weiss and their photos of when he was at all these uh, famous concerts. And he was, uh, he was a photographer. So he's got all these pictures of uh, like Janis Joplin, you know, the Eagles, and it goes on and on. So little uh, side story on Herb Weiss there. But uh, yeah, I, I'm all about the, uh, I'm all about the uh, Wise Tension Head. Wow, that's a really cool story, uh, Mark, and uh, yep. I really enjoyed that. Yep. And so, you know, you mentioned that you strung at this year's uh, Australian Open, which is just awesome. And I just wanted, wanted to ask you about that experience and maybe, you know, like if you could disclose like any players that you might have strung for and, and anything interesting over there. Yes, for sure. You know, uh, you know, my dream was to always string at the U.S. Open. That was my goal. And uh, obviously just through some through some conflicts some brand conflicts, uh, obviously working through Yonix, it's kind of difficult to go into a Yonix, <laughs> into a Wilson room yeah. and, and uh, string there. Uh, and I give Ron Rocky a hard time. He's the, uh, string services and R and D director for Wilson. I give him a hard time all the time <laughs> about it. Uh, but, uh, the opportunity came up last August. Uh, my sales manager, Will Collegeville said, Hey Mark, uh, you know, I've got a slot open, uh, for another, U uh, S stringer. Uh, you know, we, we know that, uh, you have a big background in, in, uh, you know, stringing, string machines and, uh, you know, how would you like to go? And I was like, you don't have to ask me twice, you know, I'm there. And so, so, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, flew to, uh, I flew to LA, LA to Sydney, Sydney to Melbourne, uh, and the first day there, strung four frames. I was actually there the 
Thursday, before the Thursday of the tournament. So I, I got there pretty early. Uh, we had just finished setting up the machines there. Uh, I, I, that was that Thursday. So Friday, uh, you know, we had a couple of rackets trickle in. It was just myself, another stringer, uh, uh, local Australian there, uh, and then a, a, a more experienced Grand Slam stringer uh, that lives there in Melbourne. And so, uh, so by Saturday, you know, Rafa's rackets were in. Uh, you know, at that time, I was doing a lot of the uh, qualifiers uh, for the guys that came into practice early. So I was handed a lot of the U.S. rackets. Uh, and what I mean by that, U.S. players' rackets. So I shrunk for like Taylor Townsend, Donald Young, uh, Tennis Angren, uh Madison Keys was the highest ranked uh, player that I shrunk for, uh, Christian Harrison. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on, you know, uh, uh, Madison, Allison Riss, Madison Bringle. Uh, so I shrunk for, uh, again, a lot of American players there. And uh, it was just, uh, I was there two weeks. I was there, um, I did quality week. And then um, I left on when, uh, Thursday of the first week. So I did first and second, uh, first and second day of the first round. Awesome. That's really cool, Mark. I'm glad you, you had yeah. a fun time there. And I know we're running uh, out of time, and you're a busy man, Mark. Maybe I'll sneak in a couple questions uh, if I can. Sure, Otherwise, just cut me off. Awesome, yeah, awesome, great. So I wanted to ask you just maybe one or two questions about string technique. What are the biggest uh, mistakes that you see novice or even intermediate uh, stringers make when they're stringing their rackets? I, I think that I think what happens is. Um, Obviously, the crosses, you know, straightening the crosses is very crucial. Uh, it's very important to straighten during the stringing process and after the stringing process. Uh, but something that also gets, uh, you know, you know, when I see stringers and again, as a rep, as I travel, you know, to different places, I, I always like to watch different stringers. You know, when I'm testing uh, for the uh, uh, when I'm testing for the USRSA and, and doing the uh, MRT, conducting the MRT test, I'm always looking at the different styles and techniques that stringers use, uh, even going to, you know, the USRSA World Conference, going to the IART. Um, so, so it's always crosses to me. That's something that I always look, I always make sure that, you know, I, I always, you know, encourage stringers to make sure that they, they strain as much as possible uh, during the stringing and after stringing. And, don't neglect the mains because many times we just think the crosses are are uh, are, are uh, the ones that uh, need straightening, and we overlook the mains. Uh, be, but when you uh, when you uh, when you realize that you know your clamps are actually nudging the mains on both sides, uh, they need to be straightened out as well. Gotcha, great stuff. And and uh, what's your uh, quick tip for measuring how much string um, we need? Sure, sure. You know, for me, I'm five foot six, so I do I do four wingspans. Four wingspans for me, obviously, that's my twenty feet. I just chop it there. I'm good to go. But uh, scientifically, you've got a racket in front of you. Uh, granted, you know it's going to be, you know, it, let's just say it's twenty seven inches, right? So, so if you measure um, eight racket lengths on that, uh, then that will be. Let's see, four, four is nine feet. Uh, four racket lengths is nine feet. So obviously, uh, <laughs> eight would be 18. And then on that ninth measurement, you know, you kind of just eyeball it and think, okay, all right, this is going to give me, that's two feet right there. And then boom, you know, that's where you make your cut there. So that is something you have space. Uh, if you're somewhat limited in space or, you know, if you're not, you know, 
trustworthy of your wingspan, then you can actually just go to the racket and measure that way. Awesome. Appreciate that. That's great stuff, Mark. And so also wanted to obviously, um, and we mentioned several of the machines, but uh, to just kind of educate the audience about um, different uh, alpha string machines, because like I said, just great quality and, and fantastic customer service. And so can you kind of run through, you, you know, some of the machines uh, or, you know, all of them that you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I'll share a little story on customer service too, uh, toward, awesome. towards the end to wrap it up. Uh, you know, our, our top of the line machine is going to be our Ghost 2. Uh, our Ghost 2 string machine, uh, that's a $27.95. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that machine right there will probably uh, have a, you know, uh, it's going to encounter a price bump here uh, around September 1st. If you look at the Ghost 2, and if you look at some of the other models out there in the market right now, you'll see that it kind of shares some of the same DNA. Uh, you know, at times, uh, you know, we've had to kind of go outside and, and work with different OEM manufacturers uh, to produce you know, machines for us. Uh, and, and so that's what we've done with the Ghost 2. Uh, but this partnership with this factory goes back uh, all the way to you know, 1988 uh, or even before then. Uh, so that, that's just a long established relationship there. Uh, and then you know, for our price point machines, obviously, as you know, we're, we're, you're getting squeezed for margins. Uh, you know, we, we, we've gone to, uh, we went to a different uh, um, factory several years ago, and, and now we, we partnered up pretty well with them. Uh, and so you know, we, have the, uh, we have the Apex B, that's at 1099. We have the Axis Pro, that's at 799. We have the uh, Revo 4000 at 699. And then finally, the uh, Pioneer DC Plus at 499. We used to have a, a machine uh, like at the 199 price point. Uh, called the um it was called the string pal and uh, that was a good machine for us but but really for us you know i we just felt that you know clipper and gamma really owned that market and and we just really couldn't couldn't do any more there and uh we were getting squeezed with our margins so you know we'd have to bump up the price and finally we just dropped it you know we just figured hey look you know let's just focus on these price points right here um uh, and kind of moving into the next thing you know what does alpha offer well you know, I, I think when you buy a machine from us, um, you're buying a partnership. You're buying a, a, a relationship with our company. If, you know, just today I was on the phone with a gentleman that, you know, was, uh, that has an orbiter that was, you know, was last manufactured in 2004. Uh, so, I, you know, I, again, you know, I was had to kind of uh, dig through my mental uh, archives trying to, uh uh, figure out what was wrong with his machine. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I did my best to help him. And sometimes I have to tap out. If I can't help him, I, I call my man, JC at tennis machines, a longtime friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he'll help me out of some of these situations because he's got experience in repairing them as well. But, uh, going back, uh, to buying an alpha machine, uh, you know, we also want to give you peace of mind as well, because, uh, we know when, when you buy a machine from us, um, uh, that's an investment. I mean, it's just not really a, uh, it's just not something that, you know, it's not like going to McDonald's and buying a hamburger. You're buying a machine that, that's going to last you, you know, for years to come. And so we know that's an important decision. And uh, when you buy from us, you can just know that if there's any hiccup with your machine, um, we're going to stand by it. And, uh, and this is something that I really pushed when I first came aboard here. Um, and, and, and this is what happened. Um, many years ago, back when I was in retail, 
We had a college tournament coming down to Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, the stock on our uh, Model H cracked. Uh, you know, we just, you know, we had one string of those just kind of over tightening it. And finally it just, you know, beyond the stress point and it just fatigued and cracked. So I had no machine. Uh, so I called Prince who was handling the customer service for Ectolon at the time. Uh, and I just remember, um, how reassuring, um, uh, the, the customer service rep was and said, look, you know what, you know, we've got this part, we'll blue label it to you. You'll get it in a couple of days. You'll have it in time for the tournament and uh, boom, you know, two days later, here comes that part. And so that stuck with me to this day, uh, that bind that I was in, you know, because now, you know, I, I was on that other side of the phone, but now that we're on this side of the phone, you know, fielding the, these calls and warranty claims and troubleshooting issues, uh, you know, we're, we're there for our customers. So, so we've been on that side. My colleague, Greg Gagne, uh, he's also been on the other end, you know, as, as a retail stringer and having the issues with his machine. Uh, so he was able to, uh, um, he had some good experiences and bad experiences. And, uh, uh, but fortunately, uh, you know, we, we now provide good experiences for, uh, for our customers. And we don't always get it right, uh, Maribel. We don't always get it right. Every now and then, uh, you know, we may drop a ball. Somebody may call us for a spring uh, and, you know, that, that gets put on our list, but then it may get, it may get buried, unfortunately. And then, you know, a week later, a customer calls and is like, Mark, where's the spring? I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so, so we're not perfect by any means. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we do our best. We do our best here and we enjoy it. I mean, uh, you know, for the last, uh, 20 something years, you know, I come to work dressed in shorts, you know, tennis shorts, you know, what, what kind of job offers that? And, uh, so, so it's great. It's great. Uh, and, and I'll just kind of share a little bit more. Uh, I've enjoyed my time here at Alpha. It's been here a long time. I, I'm, I'm part-time here now. Uh, I, I've kind of expanded my horizons a little bit and, uh, brought in my wings. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I, have been working, uh, for Yonics as a rep since 2005. I was involved in apparel sales as well, working for Lacoste and Sophie Bella. Uh, so I do get out on the road at, at this point. I'm just focusing on Yonics and alpha, but, uh, you know, I'm only here three days out of the week. Uh, but the beauty of technology, you know, people can email me. I can respond to them pretty quickly. That's awesome, Mark. And yeah, you mentioned Sophie Bella. I've had Sophie Chang on the podcast, um, and I should know she wears that brand, so that's yeah. cool. Um, but yep. yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just really appreciate that. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen so many horror stories of people who get machines. I mean, it's several hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands, and then they don't get a response. They get no help, and that's just very crippling. I mean, you know, to have a big piece of machinery and then you, you can't do anything with it. So I really appreciate that for sure. Um, and just want to, maybe I'll make this a two parter, but are there any okay. other machines or developments on the horizon for alpha? And, um, and also if we're interested in, in alpha machines, how can we get one? Yeah. Yeah. Good questions there. So at this point, there's no plans to launch anything new. We, we just feel that, you know, the ghost to even, you know, at, at 2795, I, I mean, it, it, it's the best value under 3000. I mean, I, I would say probably the best value under $3,500. I mean, I would put this machine with anything under $3,500. I mean, uh, so, so, so we are going to bump the price up in September. Uh, it'll probably go up an extra $150, unfortunately, but, but, you know, we, we tried that, that, uh, plus $3,000 streaming machine. We had one called a Phantom uh, several years ago, which was a great machine, but that just wasn't 
that just wasn't part of our identity. You know, we're, we're more value uh, driven here. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, for a few hundred dollars more, you know, a person could get a, uh, you know, they, they could buy themselves, you know, either the star five or the, uh, or the Bayardo or, uh, you know, another uh, European electronic streaming machine. So, so, uh, so, you know, we know what our identity is, you know, we, we really want to focus on the value side of things there. Um, and, and where can you buy an alpha streaming machine? Well, uh, obviously you can go to, uh, www.newtechtennis.com. Uh, and you can go there and you can place an order online. Um, uh, you can also call us at 800-922-9024 uh, and place your order there. Or you can purchase, uh, if you're looking for Revo and Access Pro or Pioneer DC, you can go to uh, our online partners, just name a few, Tennis Express, Tennis Warehouse, uh, Tennis Machines, uh, Mark Campanelli at, uh, at the Racket Man, um, to, to name a few there. Awesome. That's great stuff, Mark. I appreciate that. And... Um... One other question for you. What is one key tip that you can give our audience to help them choose the right string machine for them? Very good question. I would say do your homework, do your research, and, and look at reviews. Look at reviews. You know, when I go to Home Depot and I'm looking at a lot more, I'm not looking at price. You know, I pull out that Home Depot app and I'll start scanning, you know, the QR codes there. And I just want to hear what other people say. Are they having good experiences or bad experiences there? And, and, and so that's, that's the only tip that I can recommend is, you know, do your research look what other people have to say about our machines there. Uh, and, and that's the best advice that I can offer on that end. Awesome, Mark. Well, uh, I really do appreciate you uh, coming into uh, coming on the podcast today. And I know we went over, but it was a great conversation. And I just want to thank you and your great staff at uh, Alpha Racket Sports for the wonderful job you're doing, and especially the great customer service and uh, the passion for, uh, for a great product uh, and products. So thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Mark. All right. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. And special thanks to Mark Gonzalez from Alpha Racket Sports for coming on to the podcast for this episode. Uh, and I just want to reiterate how awesome of a brand Alpha Racket Sports is. Uh, they make very high quality products. And I definitely recommend their string machines, as do many other people, uh, as I've talked about uh, and seen on the forums and on the internet and in person. So uh, great stuff from Alpha and Mark. And I also want to encourage everybody to uh, subscribe to the Tennis Falls podcast. And you can easily do that by hitting the subscribe button on, um, on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app that you use to listen to the show. Um, and as I often like to do... I will leave you with a quote uh, for the end of the show. And today's quote is by Charles R. Swindle. And he said, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. I love that. And I also just want to let you know again that uh, that you can check out all the links mentioned on the show today on the show notes page, which is at tennisfiles.com slash 63. Uh, well, that's all for today's episode. I really appreciate you tuning in as always. Thank you so much for your support and your emails. And don't hesitate to reach out to me uh, with any questions you might have uh, or comments or anything like that or feedback at mirban at tennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N at tennisfiles.com. All right. 
again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic uh, day, week, month, and year, and so on. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.